Everybody ready for something new happening in your life? Would you, would you take a moment, would you close your eyes and you would just lift your hands towards heaven, just a sign of surrender. Lord, we come before you today. We know that you are the God who does new things. We open up our hearts, we open up our mind, God, we say, new power, new wine, new freedom, new season, yeah, new day in front of us. We open up our hearts to receive it in Jesus' name. Somebody say, amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated if you would, please. Thanks for coming today. Great to see you guys. Hey, just want to extend uh, an invitation to you to be a part of pre-service prayer. Uh, 1045 for this service, 845 for first service. Uh, but 1045, it's just a 15-minute time to get together to pray, uh, to seek after God. And it's just a thing that we're doing for a season. We won't do it forever, I'm sure, because we never do anything forever uh, around here except to have church on Sunday. But uh, I would love to just see you come and be a part of that for a few minutes, uh, 1045 to 11. Then you could grab a coffee, connect with a friend, another 15 minutes. But there's a couple things that are, I think are so important about this. Uh, one is that every great move of God in history has always been preceded by a massive prayer effort. And uh, I'm, I'm ready to see a move of God in a greater way. And so uh, prayer paves the way for that. Um, two, it is you having an opportunity to get your heart ready to worship God and enter in. Because I know sometimes... Uh, you can come into church and there's so many things going on and it takes you till song three to finally even get present. And uh, something about getting yourself ready, I believe, could take us all to an incredible place. And then just, uh, just doing something to the spiritual atmosphere in the room. So, uh, so I'm inviting you to be a part of that, 1045 to uh, 11, 11 to 15, 11 to 11, 15. Bring your kids, uh, let your kids, we've got kids in here, uh, every prayer time they're learning how to pray, it's a cool thing. And you might say, I don't even know how to pray, uh, well this is be a great way to learn. So uh, come on out. All right, today we're going to talk some more about leaning in to the goodness of God. I've asked the ushers to hand out, maybe you didn't receive one uh, last week, or, but uh, we have these little, just little bracelets that say lean in to God's goodness, and you might be able to use this to just remember the goodness of God when you get up on Monday morning and you ain't feeling it, uh, or something is going on around you, and just a good reminder to, to lean in to God's goodness. If you already have one, uh, you can let it pass by. Uh, but uh, love for everybody to have one of these and just a reminder to stay on track, leaning in to the goodness of God. It's a, it's a thing that's on my heart for uh, 2019 personally and that I want to kind of download to all of us this idea of leaning in to God's goodness and becoming aware of the goodness of God and how it impacts our life and the difference it can make for us. So spend a little time in a series here, which is to me more than just a series, it's really kind of a pace setter for the entire year. It would be so cool to look back on 2019 and say, man, the goodness of God in 2019. So uh, 
So just you lean into this with me and uh, uh, let's enjoy the goodness of God. Anybody with me on that? Amen. So here's where we're going to start today, Psalm 23, verse 6. I'm going to review a couple of ideas and then dive into some fresh stuff this morning. But surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live or I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Just a reminder that uh, God is a good God and wants to bring good things into our life. This Hebrew word that's translated goodness um, could easily be translated a number of different ways, but I think these are all the things that we know that the goodness of God brings into our life. Uh, it could be translated, and this was pursuing us, beautiful things, enjoyable things, good or good things, gracious things, happiness or happy things, pleasant things, prosperity, richer things, things that are good. That's what is going to pursue us when we allow Jesus to be our shepherd who watches over us. And so the context of this obviously is Psalm 23, which is very well known Psalm, but I want to read it and then I want to drill down on some ideas today. Psalm 23, verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters, he restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Somebody say amen. That's, that's good stuff right there. So just to, just to keep us all on the same page in the way that we're thinking about this is this passage starts out with a concept that is actually throughout the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd. And the idea about the goodness of God pursuing us is a result of us allowing the Lord to be our shepherd. We're not just plugging into some kind of uh, principle or some kind of spiritual force or some kind of uh, spiritual idea, the goodness can pursue us when Jesus is our shepherd. And I like what this passage says, the, the Lord is my, everybody say my, my shepherd. He's not just a shepherd, he's my shepherd. And when our life is, is submitted into his hands and we're allowing him to lead us and watch over us, some incredible things can start to happen. So this passage, there's at least eight different ways that I see out of this passage where the goodness of God will pursue our life, will show up in our life. The first one is goodness shows up in provision. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I shall not lack, I shall not be lacking. Just to remind you that God is a God who provides, and he's not just in heaven saying, hope you can work it out. He's leaning in, and provision 
comes in a lot of different ways. Provision is people. Uh, provision is connections. Uh, provision is open doors where that you had never been able to open yourself. Uh, provision is new insights, new aha moments. Uh, provision is finances for your life. All you need to live an abundant life, the Lord is your provider. You don't, and you're not left on your own to make it happen. The second idea is goodness shows up in contentment. So Psalm 23, 2 says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. I like the word content. Content means a state of peaceful happiness. That's a good state to live in. A state of peaceful happiness. The con- really, the concepts uh, biblically of, of being content, it's the ability to maintain uh, a spiritual equilibrium uh, when you're in the midst of both favorable circumstances. In other words, the favor and blessing of God doesn't pull you away from God. Um, but also to keep your spiritual equilibrium when things are adverse or things are not going your way. So that no matter what is going on around me, because I have such a great shepherd, I can always walk in peace. I can always walk in joy. I can always walk in confidence. I can always walk in contentment because the Lord is my shepherd. I'm not having to do life on my own. Amen. Third idea is uh, goodness shows up in restoration. Psalm 23.3 says, he restores my soul. You know, the Bible is, is really just the entire story of the Bible is about God constantly restoring. Uh, when we have done something wrong, uh, God restores. When the enemy has stolen from us, God restores. When other people have done wrong to us, God restores. In other words, restoration is the story. And the thing that I know that, that I love about this idea in Psalm 23 is that it says, He restores my soul. Because it's not just enough to have your stuff restored. It really, the, the restoration of the impact of when life goes nuts or things feel stolen, or things don't work out, the real impact of what that does to your soul. And so all of a sudden you go through difficulty, it'll steal your confidence. It'll, it'll steal your expectation. It'll, it'll shape the narrative that you start telling yourself about life. But the Bible says that God restores our soul. The fourth idea, and let me just move into some new stuff today, is goodness shows up in guidance. Goodness shows up in guidance. So Psalm 23.3, he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know, one of the most uh, difficult things to do is to make good decisions. To, to, you're faced with options or you're faced with none, but to choose which way to go, 
to, to choose what to say yes to, what to say no to, what, to, what opportunities to pass on, what opportunities to take a hold of. What, what, when, when do I just press through and when do I say hands off? And learning the ability to make a good decision is a pretty powerful thing. And, and I think every believer has this thing in their, uh, in their head and in their heart. They're asking the question, what does God want me to do? What, where, where, what direction does God want me to take? And I think we all have to have this realization that uh, we don't know enough to actually make the best decision because you and I are limited by information that is limited. Uh, we are limited by our own perspective that we have gathered, but you got to know there, there's a lot bigger perspectives than you have, than I have, and, and to recognize that here I am having to make a, a decision about which way to go, about what to say yes to, what to say no to, uh, is and with knowing I have limited information, uh, knowing I have limited perspective and ability to actually know what's going on, we don't always know what's down the road. You know, now in business, they're, you know, they're saying, you can't even make a five-year plan anymore because you have no idea what's going to change. You don't know if, if Facebook's still going to be around, <laughs> you know? You don't know what's going to happen with virtual reality or Oculus lenses or you, you have no idea what's going to happen with e-commerce. There's so many things that are changing so drastically right now that you got to understand it's just, it, it can be hard to make a decision that you know is really right. You, you're going with that boy, you're going with that girl, and they are faking you out. Amen. They're putting on cologne, but they really stink. And you don't, you don't know. So let me just say a couple things about guidance, about, about walking with the Lord guiding your path. First is to say, he doesn't walk the path for you. He gives you a path to walk on. So, so it's, here's, a, here's a truth for guidance. It's always a green light till you get a red light. Instead of waiting for God to shove you into something, then you got to understand, you just keep moving forward the best you can. And God knows how to get a red light in your face. And sometimes that red light will show up as you're reading your Bible and you, this something comes alive to you, the, a parameter that says do this or don't do that or stop saying this or don't do that anymore or, or move into this. Sometimes the red light can show up in the counsel of trusted godly people. I would never make a massive uh, important decision on my own. 
I would always want the input of people that I trust, people that I believe are, are listening to God and walking to God. I would never just go forget what everybody else says. That would be stupid. Don't tell your kids I use that word in church, but that would be stupid. Sometimes the red light will show up in the lack of peace uh, that's in your spirit. But I'm just saying to you that you keep moving forward, making the best decisions you know how to make. And if there's a desire in your heart to do God's will, you can be sure he's not hiding his will from you. You know, go, oh, he got close to it. I better move it. He's not hiding his will from you. you. You can be sure if you want to do the will of God, if there's a yes in your heart already, he knows how to guide you into it. When I was in Bible college, the first year of Bible college, I didn't really know Suzette very well, and uh, I've, I got interested in a, a, another girl. I know. And fortunately, she got a little interested in me. It's always good when that happens, right? But uh, we were developing a, re a relationship. And uh, I remember one time we had gone to this event um, at our school where they took pictures of couples together. And I had this picture of this girl uh, and myself in my Bible that's holy, huh? And I was at Bible college, by the way. Thank you very much. But I remember one day, very specifically, uh, I, I open up my, my Bible, and there's the picture of the, myself and the girl, and the Holy Spirit says, tear that picture up. And I'm like, devil? I'm trying to read my Bible. Leave me alone. And I had no idea that the next year, this girl named Suzette was going to fall hard for me. <laughs> it's actually the other direction, I assure you. But what I'm saying is in, with the limited knowledge that I had of availability, if you will, there was no rational reason for me to say no to this relationship. Because this was a godly girl, and I'm a godly guy, and we just were kind of moving forward in a godly relationship. But the Holy Spirit could see ahead and say, I got something way better for you. You could be glad that I married Suzette instead of that other girl because she ain't nothing <laughs> compared to Suzette. I hope she doesn't hear this message. Who knows that she would. <laughs> Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways... Acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. If nothing else, let the goodness of God 
guide your life. All right, number five, goodness keeps you moving forward. Psalm 23, 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. All of us have mountaintop experiences where we can see forever. And all of us have valley experiences where it feels like, hey, wait a minute, this is what I saw on the mountain, but it's kind of dark and cold and not exactly what I was expecting. And when you're walking through a valley, don't set up a house there. When you if you're go when you're going through hell, don't stop. <laughs> Hello. The goodness of God because you have the promise of the goodness of God for your future, you just got to remember to keep walking. You you can't let a disappointment start running your life. You you can't let a tough experience define you. You're just walking through a valley. It's okay. Keep moving forward. Keep trusting God. Keep trying the best you can. Hey, listen, you're walking through a valley, keep worshiping God. You're you're walking through a valley, stay connected to the right people. Because what I find is that when people are going through tough situations, it becomes easy for them to back off and back away and either because they feel ashamed or they just don't want to deal with anybody anymore and they just get disconnected and get isolated and that's how you get picked off. Hey, listen, when you're walking through a valley, stay in church. That's the worst time to quit going to church. I remember one time, Susan and I had gone to a conference and our church was going through a difficult season. It was way back in the early, early days of our church. And I remember we were in this conference and they're singing songs about victory and God's going to carry me and all this stuff. And I'm, I'm like, why don't you just shut up, man? I was like, oh. I mean, that might be the way you come in here. But if you stay in a faith-filled, encouraging, positive atmosphere, it'll help you. It'll help you walk through the valley. Come on, stay positive, stay full of faith. Psalm 27, verse 13 says, I would have despaired. I would have lost my hope unless, everybody say unless, unless. I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Come on. Certain, when you've got that sense of certainty, God is writing my story 
and he's promised to cause all things to work together for my good, you keep walking through that valley. Don't get stuck there. Don't build a house. Don't build an identity. Keep moving forward. Amen. Number, number six is goodness sets a table for you. Psalm 23.5 says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The table of the Lord. 2 Peter 1, let me just give you this couple verses. This is, this is what's at the table of the Lord. His divine power has granted to us everything. Everybody say everything. Everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these, his own glory and excellence, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by those promises you could become partakers of the divine nature. So there's a table set for you. The divine power, the, the supernatural promises of God are more than adequate for your life. I was by here for a little while this Friday night, and oh my gosh, you talk about the table set with more than you could possibly eat. Honestly, I mean, every table was full of desserts. And then in the foyer, there were like these massive tables of savory foods and chocolate delight. I don't know what it was. It was just it was a lot of food. And there's a lot of, they, they called it a grazing table. Now, my understanding is that a grazing table is for heifers, but <laughs> but fortunately, I didn't see any heifers here. <laughs> but there was more than, <laughs> I mean, there were almost 400 women in this room, and there was more than they could eat. And the picture from Psalm 23 is that there is this fully set table of abundance with the enemy right in the presence of your enemy. The enemy is right across from you, but he's unable to stop you from grazing on the goodness and the promises of God. And we all want the enemies to go away. But the truth is, the enemies are often very near. But this promise is telling us that even though the enemy is sitting right on the other side of the table, God's great provision for your life is never stopped. by the presence of an enemy. Psalm 110 says this, the Lord, uh, this is 
God, the Father, Yahweh, says to my Lord, Adonai, which there's the Hebrew words, for the Lord, the Father God says to the Lord Jesus, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Eat from the table of the Lord in the presence of your enemies. If, if we're waiting for everything and everybody to get just right before we get in gear with life, we're going to be waiting a long time. Because every promised land has walls and giants and difficulties. And when we have this idea, well, if there wasn't a wall, if there wasn't a giant, we could get this, well, under the circumstances. But I think what the Bible is helping us understand is that you don't have to be under the circumstances. You can take hold of the promise of God right now in the situation. You, you can rule in the midst of your enemies. You know, in the day-to-day, it, 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 you can lose sight of God's transcendent greatness, of His goodness. If you don't have a lean into the goodness of the Lord bracelet, it's really easy to forget. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Like, you're having a day, and it's like, you go to take your shower, and there's no hot water. The water heater's out. Devil. And then you go to cut the grass, and the lawnmower won't start. And then you see your tires are almost flat, and you go to fill them up, but then the tire gauge doesn't work. Ever had one of those days? Weeks? Months. Okay, I'll stop there. And, I mean, you can have all that little stuff just pick away at your soul, and you're like, I'm fixing to cry, y'all. This is, this is not good. But you got to know that the table of the Lord is set for you in the presence of your enemies. You got to know that you can rise up and rule in the midst of your enemies. Number seven is this. Goodness brings you into overflow. Goodness brings you into overflow. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. The anointing is the enablement of the person of the Holy Spirit to allow you and me to live beyond our own capacity, beyond our own capabilities. You could, you could be anointed to be a good husband. Yeah. <laughs> and this verse is telling us 
that the anointing of oil causes my cup to overflow. It's not coming from me, but it's coming through me. And you can move out of the land of barely enough into the land of more than enough. Like, you can move into overflow status. Matthew 25 gives us this story of these ten, the, the, the parable is there's ten virgins, ten girls, who are waiting for the bridegroom to come. And the, the way the story goes is five of the girls have oil in their lamp, but they have also extra. And then five of the girls have barely enough oil. They, did, they had barely enough anointing. The ones who were considered ready were the ones who lived in a state of overflow, in a state of abundance, but the ones who were not ready, and the, listen to this, they missed their window because they had run dry. Proverbs 21.20 says there's precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man swallows it up. And the concept is you've got to have a full tank to live life the way God wants you to live. To get to overflow, you get full and then it starts overflowing. But if you're living off the fumes, you're not going to have the love you need. You're not going to have the strength you need. You know, there's two different kinds of people. Uh, one... All right, who wants to just fess up in church? You're a type B. I just, that, here we go. I see you. It's like, I know the light's been on for three days, but I, I, I can make it. I know my car. I can make it. Now, hey, listen, running on empty will burn you out. My, my first pastor taught me all ministry is, is overflow of your relationship with Jesus. So no overflow, no ministry. When we're trying to minister or we're trying to live on an empty tank, you're going to end up burning out. You, the Holy Spirit is, is not just given as sort of a little added plus. The person of the Holy Spirit 
is going to enable us to live an incredible life that's beyond our own capacity. A place called overflow. And when I look at this story in Matthew 25, I, I recognize this idea, you got to burn the oil and not the wick. Right? So they had these oil lamps, and all ten had lamps. And you know, the concept behind an oil lamp is the, the, the wick goes down into the oil, and you light the lamp, and the wick is just a conduit that sucks oil up and keeps burning, but the wick doesn't ever burn because the wick's just a conduit. Anybody hear me? The principle behind an oil lamp is burn the oil, not the wick. Everybody in this room is a lamp, has a lamp. In other words, you're gifted. You're talented. You have a light to shine. And whenever people show up and say to me, I, I'm, I'm, I'm burnt out. I recognize that maybe they've been burning the wick instead of the oil. The wick burns down when the oil goes out. Burnout occurs when there's not enough oil. So that's the, that's the, <laughs> that's the downside, if you will. The upside is he anoints our head with oil. So it's not really me. It's, it's my cup overflows because I'm tapped in to something greater than me. Somebody say amen, hallelujah, thank you, Lord, something. And then the last idea, and we're going to close on this, is goodness gives you a home. So Psalm 23, 6 says, Surely your goodness, your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will, I will live. One translation said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord is not a uh, off there. It's a meeting I go to every once in a while at a building. It, it's, it's your spiritual home. Psalm 65, 4 said, How blessed is the one whom you choose and bring near to you to dwell in your courts. We'll be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. And you can find this over and over. These are two verses, but you can find this over and over. God's goodness is often tied to God's house. Now, no church is perfect, but here's the beauty. God can and does flow His goodness through imperfect church. Come on. And the thing I see about David is David loved the house of God. He's, he's always proclaiming, I'm a dweller in the house of God. If, if there's a prayer meeting, I'm there. If there's a dessert night, I'm there. If there's church on Sunday, I'm there. 
we're going to the nation. I'm there. I'm just, I'm just in the thing. If there's a small group, I'm there. I don't have chapter and verse for what David said that in, but I'm saying to you, there's, there's something about finding spiritual home. And I think our Western culture has turned church into a restaurant that people just go to if they like the food that's served here one week and the food that's served here the next week. And, and the truth is, God's not interested in us just consuming messages. He's interested in giving us a home, like a place where we belong, like a, like a, a family, a community, to belong to, a, a mission to share together, a, a place where when you're going through hard times, people actually know you and they walk with you through it. When you go through good times, you got friends. Why do you think everybody went nuts when Sean gets baptized? Because he's part of the house. He's found a home. I want to pray with you today. I want you to bow your heads, please, and I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. We're going we're gonna to open our hearts up. You know, when I think about the fact that when my life is in the hands of the Good Shepherd, provision and contentment and restoration and guidance, the ability to keep moving forward, to know that He sets a table for me, to the ability to live, not barely making it, but to live in overflow. Maybe you're here today and you've, you've not ever surrendered yourself to Jesus. And this would be a great moment to move into that. Maybe you're here today and you could look back on a day in the past and find a moment where you were so much closer to God than you are now and you know it's time for you to come home. Or maybe you just feel unsure about where you stand. And I'm just giving the opportunity for all of us to take the next step. Maybe the next step for you is a first time surrender. Maybe the next step for you is coming back. Maybe the next step for you is getting certain. But if that speaks to your soul and you say, Pastor, would you pray with me? Would you pray for me? I want you to lift your hand real high. Nobody's looking around, but I just wanna, I just wanna see. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, God bless you. Right here, no shame involved in this at all. Just, just honest, open, God bless you. Anybody else all over the room, just say, I, just, I need to surrender to Jesus. I, I'm, I can't do this on my own. I need, I need a home. Anybody else? Thank you. Hey, let's pray this prayer together. This is for everyone who lifted their hand, everyone who needed to. 
But let's all say it together. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I need you, I want you. In my world, as my Lord. I know I've sinned, but I come to the cross where you paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start. It's a new beginning as I surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen. Thank you.